Welcome to the Cap City Outfitters Podcast. This is episode 65. You've got Chris and Brian. Um, this time around, we're just going to run through what we consider to be critical items for both the home defense pistol and a home defense focused um, rifle, particularly regarding the AR-15 platform. Um, last couple of weeks, we've had a lot of customers, both new and old, uh, pick up guns they intend to use for defensive purposes in the event that things start to get froggy. Uh, so we just want to help you get these um, set up properly so you can fight with them most efficiently. Absolutely. Um, it, because of the volume of handguns going out the door, uh, volume of rifles has increased dramatically. Um, defensive shotguns are selling. That's fine, too. Um, but the volume of handguns, let's start there. Um, for, a, for a defensive handgun, um, the gun generally is going to come with two mags. Um, and the gun itself, and maybe some kind of rudimentary cleaning kit, but probably not, unless it says Glock on the side. Um, other than that, the gun is what the gun is. So if you had to buy a gun um, with less selection than normal, it may or may not have night sights on it. Numero uno, night sights. Put night sights on the gun. Let's, let's call it metal sights. Well, that too. But, yeah. but if it's a gun, that a lot of the guns come with metal sights. I mean, you know, Smith puts decent metal sights on their guns that aren't necessarily night sights. Night sights, though, something that lights up on itself, self-luminous tritium, uh, trigicon, ameriglow, whatever. Um, get those on the gun. 80% of violence happens in a low light or diminished light environment. So, um, you know, you want to be able to utilize the tool as effectively as possible. That's a great way to do it. Um, so I'm going to start off with night sights. Um, I also mentioned that a lot of the weapons come with a magazine or two. If it's a used gun, it might only come with one. If it's a new gun, it might come with two. If it's a Glock, it comes with three. Some of the SIGs come with three, depending on what platform you're buying. Um, pick up a few more magazines. Uh, you know, it's nice to have a bank of magazines that you can keep ready for the range and train with. And it's nice to have a bank of magazines that when you walk off the range, you can walk off the range with a loaded gun ready to go as you're going to your vehicle, possibly in a dimly lit parking lot. Um, so, you know, get yourself up to half a dozen at a minimum mags for any auto pistol. That also gives you spares for down the road um, that if you find yourself with a defective mag or a mag that's worn out in the training environment, um, you know, go pick up a new one, rotate it into your carry mags, test them, etc., and go on. Um, but for sure, most deficiencies right off the bat with a handgun start with sights and mags, in my opinion. Yeah, and <clears throat> honestly, having extra magazines um, does allow you to fix a lot of malfunctions, um, Many semi-automatic pistol-related malfunctions are caused by something that's happening in the magazine, whether it's dirty or there's a part not quite up to spec. Uh, so being able to rapidly change that magazine um, can get that gun back in the fight. Absolutely. Um, I, I've, I've heard the number somewhere between 90 and 95% of malfunctions with semi-auto firearms are magazine-related. Um, I don't know if that's necessarily the case anymore. I know that it used to be years ago. Um, Seems about accurate. In yeah, training. but it's it's significant. A large number of malfunctions of most semi-auto firearms are magazine related. So definitely the push would be have more mags available. So if you in training, if a mag dumps on me, if I have an issue that I can't directly relate to ammo or something that I screwed up, um, I'll put a mark. I'll take my pocket knife out and I'll put a scratch on the bottom of that magazine. Um, the second scratch, that mag goes away. Um, because it's just not worth fussing with. If I want to practice malfunctions, I'll set up malfunctions and practice malfunctions. Otherwise, I don't want to, you know, that's that's not what I'm there for. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so mags and sights. Uh, lights. Lights are a big deal to me. Um, I'm going to say a light on the gun. Um, and I'm going to put the light in the order of this conversation slightly ahead of holsters. We'll come back to that for a reason. Um, and not just a light, a flip and bright light that's reliable and has a user interface that isn't overly complicated 
or fragile or just stupid as they are in some cases. Um, on a handgun, you know, we are our number one push on handgun Surefire X300Us um, and the alpha configuration is going to work on almost any handgun you need to put it on. Um, if you have an older gun that maybe the rail system is HK-like and it only takes an HK light or something like that, um, it's definitely time to move on. I know some of the newer light systems are not newer, but not current light systems had some interface items that you could make to work on HKs and stuff like that. But if you've got an older gun that won't take a newer light, you probably want to rethink it. If you're not at on a full size handgun, if you're not at 500 lumens, you want to look for a newer light. Uh, you really should be in that 800 to a thousand lumen area. Um, at a minimum, I think. If, if you need a smaller light, 500, there are some 500 lumen lights from Streamlight. If they're on compact lights or on concealed carry yeah. guns uh, or on compact guns, and then some of the like 100 and 300 lumen lights, like the Streamlight TLR6s and stuff like that, if you have a small gun and that's what you've determined you're going to use for home defense, um, it, it, you know, it's maybe something like a Glock 43 or something like a 43X, um, or, yeah, 43X or 48 that doesn't have a rail and you're limited to that, that's that smaller light, then that's fine. Press on, learn how to use it to, to the greatest effect. Um, but for certain, if you've got a full size handgun that holds 15 or more rounds, you probably got a full size light rail. Um, you should have something on it like a Streamlight TLR1L. TLR1HL, TLR1 yeah. um, TLR1HL or a X300, something that's pushing 800 or 1,000 lumens downrange for multiple reasons. Number one, you can bump that light through a doorway, whether it's pointed at your, you know, your grandma's 1970s brown shag carpet or whether it's pointed at a bright white newly painted ceiling, that 1,000 lumens will be enough to light up the entire room from one position. The other thing it gives you is a definitive, definitive wall of light to hide behind that is overwhelming to the bad guy for at least a short period of time. Um, a, an old 100 lumen or 200 lumen light that's good enough, it's good enough. My grandpa used this when he was on SWAT back in 1970. No, um, you know, my, my, my dad was, was the guy there doing that back then, and he still likes brighter lights now because they're better. Um, the reality check is they, you know, they pipe clamped mag lights to shotguns because that's all they flipping had. Um, if you want a retro gun to put in the safe, that's cool. Put a retro gun in the safe, but for home defense, get the bright light on the gun for certain. Yep. So, yep, 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 yep. Um, if you've ever done any force on force with lights, especially, or talk to guys who have, they will tell you that, that that thousand lumen light is a massive force multiplier when it comes to blinding the bad guy and not giving the bad guy good options. And very importantly, it lets you fully identify your target before you engage it. And yep. it lets you do that while keeping both hands on the pistol so you can run the pistol effectively. That's right. It lets you not shoot something that doesn't need shot. So, um, Along with that in the handgun, I'm going to throw out a good holster. Um, the holster on a lot of striker fire guns is it's the second safety. The first one's between your ears. Um, the second safety is going to be, you know, is going to be what that gun is stored in. And then the third safety is going to be whatever passive safeties are on that device or manual safeties on that device. Um, having a decent holster, you can put the gun in is going to keep your finger out of the trigger guard. So if you grab it, you know, out of the nightstand or off the nightstand or from under your pillow, or I don't know, wherever you keep it at night, um, it's going to keep you from sticking your finger in the trigger guard, not necessarily knowing exactly where that gun is. Um, you know, so a, a good holster, um, you know, something like if you got a light on the gun and it's a full size gun, the Gotham's from Boedeman are outstanding holsters. Uh, they index on the light. So if you have a TLR one HL buy the holster for that, and you can run nearly any full size or mid size gun in it. Um, and then if you're running an X 300 U then buy that holster and you can put nearly any gun on it and it won't matter. 
Uh, also a great way to carry the gun on your person uh, when you're up and moving about. If you're not in that MO where you necessarily are going to carry the gun around your house, um, I'd like to see you do that. But having said that, still having the gun in a holster is still a really good idea just purely from a, a keeping that trigger covered up perspective. Um, and then if you would need to grab the gun, you might be able to throw the holster in a pocket or put it on later and then be able to holster the gun and keep the gun on your person as the situation dictates down the road from whatever has popped off and created your need for the gun. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense? Yeah. Okay. Um, last thing to think about for pistols, um, especially for newer pistol shooters, is putting a micro red dot optic on that pistol. Mm -hmm. um, it turns, you know, aligning the front sight and the rear sight and the target and having three focal planes for your eyes to keep track of, which the eye mm -hmm. can't do very well. Uh, into a conversation of look at the target, put the red dot where you want the bullets to go, um, and pull the trigger repeat as necessary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put the dot where you want to go, pull the trigger without messing with the sight picture. Generally, you're good to go. Um, it, it, you know, the, and it used to be, too, for the military and law enforcement, we're always going to, you know, when we got into dot optics on rifles, well, you got to learn how to shoot your irons first. Um, there's a reality check, too. Teaching a new shooter how to shoot a gun with a dot optic is is so much easier and less complicated than teaching sight alignment and sight picture. Uh, once that newer shooter has mastered the ability to place that red dot where they want it to go and properly manipulate the trigger to the rear until the sear is disengaged and the striker or hammer falls, um, if you can learn to pull the trigger without screwing up where the gun's pointed, you will be miles ahead. And it's way easier to do that with a dot optic. You can always go back and teach somebody who's mastered a dot and the trigger especially the trigger, how to, what a proper sight picture and sight alignment should look like um, on the back end of that. And you're, we're finding that, that people who teach people how to shoot guns are, are becoming very aware of that situation and starting to utilize that. Um, so, you know, bear, bear that in mind. If I can teach somebody how to manage the trigger, teaching them whatever sighting system is generally not a big deal. Yeah, the other big advantage to the red dot on a pistol is if you have aging eyes where you can't necessarily see something crisply at arm's length, yep. uh, because your eye is focused at the target, which is at distance, uh, everything works a lot better. Yeah, the reason why your aging eyes can't see that menu in the restaurant because the damn thing's printed in too small a font um, isn't because your arm's too short. It's because your eye muscles have weakened and they can't properly flex your lens in your eye to make it read things up close. Um, if you don't need to focus up close, which with the dot, it allows you to remain target focused, then that's a huge advantage. Yes, it's electronic. Yes, it runs on batteries. Maintain your crap. So does your car. Um, next argument. So last thing I'll throw in for handguns, secure storage. Yeah. Um, some kind of lockable box. Um, something that gives you rapid access would be outstanding. Uh, there are great options out there from a number of different companies. Um, Gun Vault, Hornady, Liberty Safes, etc. Um, I'm throwing out some brands there that we don't even carry because they're really good options. Um, take a look at some way to secure that firearm so that an unauthorized user doesn't have access to it, whether that be a child or a buddy of yours who had, you know, too many bumps of bourbon, you know, and got lost on the way to the bathroom and finds your gun. Um, make sure that weapon's secured so that, you know, your kid or the neighbor's kid can't get a hold of it. Um, it's not ridiculously expensive to do that. And honestly, it should be pushed into the budget of buying a gun, just like training, training ammo. Um, all those things should go in the same place mentally from a budgetary standpoint. Yeah. Next. Uh, rifles. <clears throat> rifles. Um, so the big three, right? Uh, optics, lights, and slings. Um, I don't even know necessarily that I would go in that order, but I have a really hard time separating a priority for those three things. 
Um, I really like the light on the gun because it may, it may or may not have I'd sights. Probably do an optic before anything else. I probably would too. Um, it just makes the gun that much more effective. Uh, the United States military in general hasn't issued a long gun, uh, a rifle to anybody in probably two decades without some manner of optic being on it or readily available or recommended or whatever. Um, to the extent that the Marine Corps and their love affair with iron sights has actually gotten to the point where they're starting to issue guys guns with ACOGs or with M68 CCOs and have them train up with those and then hopefully teaching iron sights down the road in hindsight or whatever. Um, so, you know, understand that the optic on the rifle is a force multiplier. Again, allows you to be target focused, um, you know, and not worry about focus on that front sight, hard front sight focus. Well, your eyesight may not be perfect. The situation may not be perfect. Uh, put the dot on the bad guy and don't move it when you press the trigger. Um, More importantly, um, having a red dot makes it much, <clears throat> much easier to do things with a rifle in low light. Absolutely. And we're also throwing out, yeah, because most sighting systems are black. Most iron sight systems are black. Um, finding black sights and a black front sight, black rear sight, etc. in the dark is, is, is difficult at best. Um, take me out on the range at night and I'll show you. Um, so if you have, you know, if you've got a love affair left over from your time in the, in the military with iron sights, um, it's time for a new girlfriend. Yeah, so save that for Camp Perry. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. So, and I'm not saying you shouldn't be capable with your iron sights. I'm saying that you should have a dot on your gun because it makes you more effective. Um, so along with that dots, we talk about red dot optics. A red dot optic could also be a low power variable. Could be a one to four, one to six, one to eight, one to ten rifle scope that gives you aim point like or reflex optic like performance at close range due to a highly visible, highly illuminated reticle. Um, or it could be something like a fixed power, low power optic, something like a Trigicon ACOG that if you're trained up properly up close acts like a dot optic because the reticle is very bright and it allows your dominant eye or your rifle eye to see the reticle and your other eye to see everything else and put them together inside your brain doing big brain thinking things. Um, so, you know, one of those three options, but the, just a good old fashioned reflex sight is probably what the vast majority of home new home new shooter home defenders need it's just a simple dot optic keep things simple yeah as far as you know red dot or red dot ish you know non-magnified optics um, for serious defensive use um, we recommend stuff from Prigicon, um, eotech aimpoint and holosun um, a lot of the other companies are they're great for going to the range and having fun um, they aren't necessarily optics that you want to stake your life on yeah they're recreational optics and that's not to pick on brands. That's not to poo-poo anybody. It's just that they're made with a different purpose in mind. So, um, yeah, so absolutely. So without picking on optics too much, there's that. Um, lighting systems, again, we're back to uh, Surefire X300s. I know it's a pistol light, but on a rifle, then X300 Bravo, top dead center on the gun with your rear sight right behind it. Uh, keeps your bore, your light, and your optic. Your front sight right behind it. Thank you. That's what I meant. What did I say? I don't know what I said. You said your rear sight. Ah, don't do that. Um, <laughs> that, that would be a little weird. Um, yeah, with, it just keeps the, everything in line vertically on one plane. Um, and, and that gives you some, it allows you to not have to think quite as much about what you're doing with the gun. Um, Surefire X300, U, Bravo, or a TLR1 HL. Um, again, both 1,000 lumen lights, both very easy to operate. Um, Surefire and Streamlight both make some really good scout style lights that you can mount on the side of the gun. Um, then put a pressure switch wherever you want to put a pressure switch. If you're more comfortable with that, that's great too. Um, there are some new lights coming out from different companies like the Cloud Defense lights. Uh, Cloud Defensive makes a light called the Owl. Uh, the Owl is, is, is a brilliant, pardon the pun, light. 
Um, it's all potted, it's all one piece, it's super easy to use, it's very intuitive. It comes with two batteries, a charger, the light, and a beautiful cardboard box. Um, and just makes for a really nice system, but it's the amount of light that you're literally blinding a bad guy. It lets you see what's going on in every nook, cranny, and corner of a room, and lets you reach out a distance if you would need to. And that's, let's face it, that's what the rifle's good at too. Yeah, the other big advantage to the cloud light is the, it's 60,000 candelas, and it has a fairly warm tone to it. Um, so it pushes through smoke, fog, um, interesting atmospheric stuff, and just generally makes it easier for your eye to see what's going on. Yep, 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 yep. Um, phenomenal tool. Um, and again, that's not to denigrate any of their options. Uh, there are lots of good options out there, um, but get one of them and put it on your gun. Um, again, from a brand name perspective, I'm not going to mention some of their names out there, but I, except I'm going to say specifically, Cloud Defense, Surefire, and Streamlight make really good products for rifles. Um, there are a number of others out there that don't. Um, they make rifle lights. They're just not worth a crap. Um, and every time we turn around, some of these brands will upgrade the mounting system, or they'll upgrade the switching system, or they'll upgrade this, or they'll upgrade that. And all the fanboys who like the sleekness or the look or the aesthetic of that particular system will go out and buy the new one. And usually within about 90 days of actually using them, training them, playing with them on the range and stuff like that, we'll be cussing them because something else will be still be wrong with the light. Um, you know, I, I'm not saying there aren't other options. I'm just saying there aren't other good options. Um, you know, flame me if you need to. No big deal. Call yeah. us. Cuss me out on the phone. I don't care. Stop by. Tell me I'm wrong. I already know I'm not pretty. It's cool. Uh, one of the things, you know, we're uh, just to, to make a quick aside, you know, our goal with this podcast is to give you a good idea of what we know works. Yep. Uh, because we know that when you buy it and when you may need to use it, you probably won't have time to go out and test it. Yep, exactly. Uh, last thing, slings. Slings on a rifle. Um, single point slings. If you're a legit door kicker, single point sling might be a good option for you. Um, if you're new to the carbine, as a, especially as a defensive tool, um, stay with a two-point quick adjust sling, uh, mount it as close to the rear of the gun as you can, and mount it as close to the receiver in front as you can, whether that's on the handguard or whether the case may be back by the receiver or by the front sight if you need to. Um, a quick adjust two-point sling lets you do everything you need to do. As a newer shooter, you're probably not going to be running that gun bilaterally or off your weak side shoulder, um, you know, so I wouldn't get too sweaty about that. The sling is an analog to the holster. For a pistol, it gives you some place to put it when you don't actually need it in your hands. Um, you know, and it's just a really important thing to have on the gun in a lot of situations. Um, the other thing, too, is if you're wearing that gun and you've got the sling on properly, um, it makes it really difficult for a bad guy to take that gun off of you and shoot you with it. It makes it a lot more work for them. Um, again, a lot like a good holster does. So, you know, have a sling on the gun. Have it ready to go. Um, there are some neat little devices you can buy to keep it all neat and tidy. Um, I've never really found a huge need for them, but I'm also not running the gun out of a police cruiser and stuff like that, or a chopper or a boat. So, you know, that might change. Your mileage may vary depending on your professional needs, but, you know, Joe Q. Homemaker, homemaker generally just needs a sling on the gun and make sure that when it's in the closet, it, you know, when you go to grab it, it's not going to wrap around everything. Yeah. Uh, another thing to add to the rifle is lots of extra magazines. Yep. Same thing. Back to that. Uh, good magazines, by the way, um, if you bought a inexpensive rifle and that's the one you're stuck with for now, um, you know, if you are having any issues with the gun, the very first thing I'm going to do is go buy some PMAGs and, and see if that doesn't cure those problems. Um, you know, go buy a couple of, you know, you know, $12 PMAGs and shove them in the gun and see if some of your problems go away. 
Um, if, if you bought a cheap gun, they may not, but they may. So uh, bear that in mind. Again, with a rifle, same thing, semi-auto, I want at least six mags. Um, I pref preferably, I want all the mags for me personally. But, yeah. you know, one of those things. There's, there's a reasonableness here somewhere. Um, yeah. in, a, you know, in a rifle fight, you're probably either going to fire about three shots or you're going to use all of your magazines. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't want to, and the one where you use all of your magazines, we have a friend of ours who likes to say that they'll write books about you and they'll write songs and sing them in Valhalla about you. If you go through two magazines or get to a second magazine as a civilian, um, that will, you will be a statistical anomaly, um, and either a really bad guy or a really, really good guy, one or the other. Um, so yeah, you know, have, have those mags available as training fodder, have those mags available, um, you know, in case the one you're using decides it doesn't want to work. We're back to that. So, um, storage, lockable yeah. storage, accessible storage. Um, sometimes putting an entire safe in is a pain in the butt. Um, sometimes buying a dedicated lockbox that's quick access for a rifle is something that may be unsightly that you don't want in your beautiful walk-in closet. That's cool. Um, maybe it's, you simply put the ammo locked up wherever you put the ammo locked up and maybe the ammo or magazine is in a locked up safe, like the pistol safe where you have the gun unloaded, but ready to use. And then you can simply grab a magazine out of it and be ready to rock and roll. Uh, grab a magazine out of the lockbox, be ready to rock and roll. However you choose to do that, that's fine. Um, understand that lockable safes for rifles that are rapid access, like have push button keypads on them need maintained every couple years. Um, or the electronics the solenoid within them that locks them up will fail, and it's not just a battery replacement item. It needs to be kept clean. So if you're going to do that, um, dictate some kind of service schedule. Yeah. Cool. Um, we covered those. Let's talk about shotguns real quick because the same basic thing applies to shotguns. Buy a rifle. Yeah, buy a rifle. Um, you know, it, we're, not, we're not necessarily anti-shotgun. We're just not super pro-shotgun. Um, for most folks, the recoil of the shotgun, the weight of the shotgun, the limited capacity of the shotgun, the difficulty to load the shotgun – um, the, the lack of really good sighting systems on most shotguns just don't make them as good of option as a rifle, never mind over penetration and things of that nature. Um, having said that, if the shotgun's what you have, um, you know, maybe try and get some type of a, a defensive sighting system on them, whether that be like a ghost ring setup or some type of visible front sight, uh, excess sights, you know, a big dot on a shotgun will render it fairly useless at distance unless you train a lot. Um, but it will make it very, very effective up close. Um, you know, some of the sites that like the Remingtons come with nowadays that have a peep site in the rear, an aperture site in the rear, a ghost ring, um, and then some type of very visible front sight would be great. Putting optics on shotguns are a little weird because generally the stock's not tall enough. You put an optic on it, now you've got to come off the cheek, which takes away the consistency that you need to run the gun. It also takes away that solid base for racking the gun and cycling the, that next round. Um, you know, so if, if you want to try and run an optic, that's fine, but make sure it is extremely low to the bore, um, and buy a good optic and buy a good optic, um, for sure, because it's going to beat the snot out of it. 12 gauge recoils legit. Um, the next thing I'll throw out there lights. Yeah. Honestly, to do lights on a, on a shotgun, you're either looking at like the streamlight um, replacement forehand, yep. uh, which has an integrated light and the switches and stuff, or for a, Remington 870 or a Mossberg 500-590, the Magpul forehand with the M-Lock slots allows yeah. you to run something, again, like a, T a Streamlight TLR-1HL or a Surefire x ray Ultra. Or a Scout or anything or else. Or a Scout Light yeah. or anything yeah. else, you know, on the forehand of the gun, um, securely, you know, where you can get to it. Yeah, and there's also a modularity and price conversation there, too. The the Magpul forehand's 30 $35. Bucks. 
the mounting system that you need from Magpul to go with. It's like additional $20, and then you slap whatever light you want on it. But that same light then at some point can be moved to a rifle or possibly a handgun, depending on the design of the light. It gives you a lot more flexibility. The Streamlight and Surefire 4-end lights for shotguns are, are fairly expensive, and they are definitely, they're not multitaskers. They only do one thing. They do it fairly well. Um, but in, in, and again, having a light on the shotgun in that fashion is way better than not. I would be very, very, very dubious of Chinesium made, Chinesium imported. Um, we can call them Wu-Tang lights now. Um, I would be very cautious about buying stuff like that because generally the recoil, it just it won't tolerate it. It'll come apart over time. So racking the shotgun is also hard on the light too. So be aware of that. Yeah, the um, other other thing that a Magpul forehand will give you is the ability to more easily mount a sling to the shotgun too. Yeah, and and this is where I'll step off the reservation. I'm probably going to get in trouble here. Uh, while I'm a big believer in slings on long guns, shotguns should have slings too. But there's also a reality check. Um, you know, there's a part of me that says that I, I for the shotgun that I keep in the house, um, it's locked up in the safe because I don't keep a shotgun in the house ready to go because shotguns are silly. But if I did, there's a big part of me that says that I don't, not sure I'd put a sling on the shotgun only because I'm going to run through the six, seven, eight rounds in the gun and it's going to clatter to the ground um, because it is effectively at that point is useless to me because I'm probably not going to have a good way to carry around extra ammo easily. Um, and I don't like reloading shotguns and at the ranges I need, the handgun is probably going to be a good transition. Um, that, and that tweet, definitely a faster transition than reloading absolutely, shotgun. Absolutely, absolutely. And at the distances we're talking, I, that's just where I'm at with it. When the shotgun runs dry, it becomes debris. It becomes something for me to trip on because uh, I'm going to put it on the deck. Um, if you if you're trained appropriately, if you're a multi-gunner, you shoot these competitions and you can jam four rounds in your gun um, in a couple seconds, then by all means, sling up the shotgun, have some extra rounds available, um, and pat yourself on the back for being in that really really small percentage of folks who actually have their shit together with a shotgun because there and, aren't very many of them. And you probably better keep your race gun belt next to your defensive shotgun, which is cool. Which is totally cool. Do your thing. If that's your game, that's your game. Um, absolutely. Um, guys, the, the last thing I'll throw out there, you know, we touch on all the guns. But get, find a med kit. Find an IFAC. Find a, a core kit from North American Rescue. Something that allows you to deal with massive hemorrhage. Something that allows you to deal with tension pneumothorax. Something that allows you to deal with the blocked airway. Um, the IFAC military stuff, those are the big three killers in gunfights, but especially massive hemorrhage. Um, I want a couple of tourniquets. I want some quick clot, maybe multiple quick clots. I want uh, bandages, pressure bandages, um, and, and lots of gauze to go along with that. Probably some duct tape and some other things as adjuncts to go yeah. along with that. Um, you know, it, you know if, you, if you're going to know how to or be able to induce trauma, you should probably know how and be able to reduce trauma, um, which leads us to, I think, probably, I don't know if you want to touch on med kits, anything. Before yeah, I... um, with the med kit, you know, have it if you've got a battle belt or a chest rig or something, you should have the med kit on there. Um, another really easy way to carry around that med kit, and something I've been using for the past year and a half now, is the the ankle kit from High Speed Gear. Yeah, um, it gives yeah. me a full IFAC on my <clears throat> ankle all the time. It's very discreet. It's comfortable. Yep, um, it's super easy to use. Uh, you know, putting a tourniquet either attached to your sling or duct tape to the stock of your rifle is or a shotgun. bad way to go. Or shotgun. Yeah. Um, yeah, having med kit, knowing how to use it. Um, North American Rescue has some videos on most of the things, you know, that we recommend and how to use them um, that doesn't replace hands-on training yep. from a qualified trainer, um, but it will 
give you a general idea of how to use these things. Yeah, go see training from a professional because the hands-on clinical aspect of the training is absolutely critical because you may think you're applying it right, but if you don't have somebody um, with a stethoscope or, or with something to measure your radial pulse and to make sure that you're actually killing radial pulse when you put a tourniquet on or you're actually packing a wound correctly and using things like wound cubes to train with and whatnot, or, or pieces of meat that have been shot and blown up so you know what it actually feels like to stick your hands in something gooey um, is, is a really big deal. So I'll, I'll definitely say that, you know, let's, let's throw that in there as super important stuff too. Um, lastly, and I'm not going to beat a dead horse with this, training. Please, dear God in heaven. Um, if you own all this stuff and you think you're a ninja but you haven't taken a class, um, you know, a two-day defensive handgun class or a two-day defensive carbine class, or a two-day defensive shotgun class from a reputable instructor, um, you may be kidding yourself. Just because you grew up on the farm with a shotgun in your hand doesn't mean you know how to fight with it. Um, just because you served in the military with a rifle doesn't mean you know how to run a handgun. Uh, just because you're a police officer and you carry a handgun doesn't mean you know how to run a rifle or a shotgun, um, you know, or any of the above. And that's not picking on anybody. That's just using some professional examples. Uh, most folks from branches of the service or from law enforcement agencies um, will tell you that, that once they go take that class, it's like, wow, this is a whole lot different than I thought it would be or that I realized it would be, and man, I'd like to do more of it and get better. Um, that's not to pick on anybody. It's just to basically say, hey, even the professionals um, you know, only hit their target about one in five times that they pull the trigger. Um, you know, As a civilian, you, you really want to chase down training and get a good foundation of training, and then in that training, you'll be given skills drills to run and different things you can do to maintain that training and then hopefully take more down the road and extend your learning from where you currently are and always try to be growing around this um, because if, if, if it's important to you, it's important to you. If it's not, it's not. But this isn't a magic rabbit's foot. Yeah, and on that note too, um, building your tribe is important. Having more than one gun in the fight um, is, is absolutely probably an exponential force multiplier. Yep. Uh, it gives you a lot more options in overcoming uh, kinetic problems. Yes, indeed. Cool. Um, there's our quick sermon. I know it's not Sunday, it's Saturday. So who goes to church on Saturdays? Whoever goes to church on Saturdays, pretend you're one of those people. Um, but yeah, there's our quick sermon, guys. This is, you know, this is just that, you know, you're new or you haven't thought about it, you know, in a while. There's a, there's a quick list to run through and say, hey, do I have this stuff squared away? Um, you know, maybe make a checklist out of it and go from there and then tick off some of the things you want to try and purchase when you get your Trump money. Um, you know, maybe you want to come in and buy an optic or a light or a long gun or whatever. So as always. Yeah. Uh, see us on, you can visit, find us on social media as long as they let us stick around. Uh, we're at Cap City Outfitters on Facebook and Instagram. Screw Zuckerberg. Uh, Sorry. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> sign up for our weekly newsletter. Uh, if you go to our website for the first time, it will bring up a thing, um, and you can do that. Or send us an email at info at Cap City Outfitters saying you want to get added to the newsletter. Um, we would be happy to do that. Um, you come see us in person. We are in Hilliard, Ohio, 4465 Cemetery Road. We're right in front of Aldi's. Uh, yeah, for the foreseeable future, uh, we are limiting the store to four people in the store at a time. To promote proper social distancing, uh, please no masks. Uh, we don't like people wearing masks when they walk into the store. Yeah, it conceals your identity, um, and for us, that's a security issue. Sorry. Yeah, wearing a mask and might get a rifle pointed in your direction. Um, probably warning. not. Pro probably not, but it could. Um, depends on where your hands are. Get your hands out of your pockets and don't have anything in them. Um, and just kidding, but not really. And even if you came in and walked around for a few minutes and then maybe put the mask back on, 
let the cameras get a look at you, let us know what's going on, have that conversation with us. Um, if you are high risk and you need the mask because you already have COVID, don't come to the store. Send a friend. PSA. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Be safe. Um, if you can't be safe, be dangerous. Amen. And we'll see you soon. Thanks, guys.